Good afternoon, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you, of course, by JohnPielli.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Uh, kind of a quick turnaround after the show yesterday. We're going to just um, pretty much finish off a couple odds and ends in regards to the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Uh, we're going to do NFL picks today. We're also going to do MLB free agent predictions, which you know is pretty much taking some stuff, some you-know-what, throwing it, flinging it against the wall and hoping that some of it sticks. And if it does, at the end of the whole process, when it's all done, you can say, hey, I predicted that. But when it comes down to it, I'm certainly not in favor of throwing money on free agent predictions. Now, if you want to ask me, hey, what is my gambling history? You know that it obviously isn't very good. If you just follow my weekly NFL picks, you know they're basically a advice about a way to not spend your money. If you want to have, uh, you know, make sound investments, you would not be making sound investments if you were following my advice, and it just wouldn't make any sense to do. So I'm basically telling you when I do my NFL picks each week, what games to not choose, what games. To not bet on the teams that I say I think are going to win. And I'm willing to throw my own money down on. So I digress. Uh, first thing I got to say happy birthday to my new niece, Mia, who was just born today. And congratulations to the parents, my uh, my brother Nicholas and his wife Kayla. Uh, they welcomed the beautiful baby girl in this morning. So November 3rd, 2018. It's their second child. Congratulations. Anybody interested in being part of the show, of course, you could comment on the Facebook Live feed, Periscope feed. Also, give the show a call if you want, 732-364-3598. Once again, anything on your mind in a world of baseball, sports, and unified America. So before I get into NFL picks, which like I said, is if you're looking for ways to waste your money, if you got a handful of cash, you're just looking for something to do with and get absolutely no value or no return for, I would suggest follow my NFL picks, which are coming up in a couple minutes. But first thing I wanted to talk about, because you hear sometimes there's you know that example of a bad divorce. And bad divorces happen all over the course of sports. And I'm obviously not talking about, you know, from a literal standpoint, but in a figurative sense, because you know, the goal of an organization in any sports, especially a team sport, is to win. And if you don't win, there's going to be scapegoats. Scapegoats could sometimes be as small or as in, as unimportant as an assistant coach or an assistant hitting coach in baseball or maybe an assistant quality control coach or the third-string special teams coach in the NFL. But when teams don't win, even when they weren't expected to win, they get to a certain level. There's always somebody that ends up taking the fall. And you, that's why you see in all four of the major sports, and certainly any college sports, or any organization that involves a major team and a major coaching staff, changes that are made each and every year. And some of them are expected, some of them are not expected, and even some of them are so under the radar that nobody even cares about. 
when the Cleveland Cavaliers decided that they were going to make a little change on their coaching staff, the goal was that they were looking to bring in somebody who was a little bit younger. And in their minds, the thought was that there could be more of a relationship between the younger players, especially a couple guys coming in there at the ages of 19, 20, 21 years old. They may be able to relate a little better to somebody who is in their mid to late 30s or maybe at the very latest 40 years old. But somebody that's in their 50s or somebody in their 60s, and we can make that comparison when we talk about generational gaps that exist. There's possibilities that, you know, somebody that perhaps has two generations between them may not be able to relate to somebody that's in a current generation now. And certainly the people, the people that I guess we'd call millennials, people that are from this generation may not understand what prior generations had to deal with and had to go through. And society being certainly much different back then than it was right now. So the Cavaliers decide to make a decision to move on from one of their assistant coaches as we get into the season this year. And it's not expected that there's drastic changes. I don't think the Cavaliers were expecting to move on. And remember... Early on this week, I was talking about the decision, or I think it was last week, that the Cavs had to move on from Tyron Lue, and I thought it probably would have made a little more sense if they did that in the offseason, because one thing had certainly a lot to do with the other. They were hand-in-hand. Hand. Will LeBron James leave it to go to the Lakers? LeBron James' essential hand-picked choice to be the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, a guy who led them to a championship, but certainly that championship was not coming to Cleveland if LeBron James wasn't there. Cavs go 0-6 all all of a sudden from the Cavs' ownership and their general manager. All of a sudden they think that Tyron Lue, as good of a coach he was over the last couple seasons, all of a sudden he just doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to coach anymore. He lost his ability to coach. But the common sense, if he used any conventional wisdom whatsoever, you'd realize that the player, LeBron James, isn't there. And LeBron James not being there is the reason why the Cavaliers are nowhere near as talented of a team as they were last year. So I digress from that. So the decision was made to move on from one of their assistant coaches. And you know, I believe the guy's name was Boykins. And I'm trying to pull it up here on, on uh, this website here. And I apologize for not getting it uh, if I don't have all the details. But there was a, a decision that made by the Cavaliers to move on from one of their assistant coaches perhaps getting a little bit younger. You heard a discussion now with Larry Drew about possibly becoming a full-time coach or at least getting a raise from what he was making as an assistant coach. But, you know, the moving on from Boykins turns into a potential lawsuit that this guy is looking to put and file against the Cleveland Cavaliers and their owner and their general manager. And I'll tell you right off the bat, it's something that's frivolous, and it's something that we have to look in a mirror at in society today because there's so many times that the thought when something doesn't go our way, right after we're done bitching and complaining and crying about it, we try to think about how we can profit from it. And if you're, in a, if you're lucky enough to be involved in the world of sports, you should be lucky enough to have that job that you're given because every one of those jobs is based off of who you know. 
you're not getting on a coaching staff as just some raw candidate that nobody knows your name and nobody has any experience knowing with what your strengths and what your weaknesses can be. You're not getting a job on a coaching staff in any sort of sport unless somebody knows who the hell you are. So that should be considered a privilege for those that are doing it. For those that are on coaching staffs in the National Football League, that are you know, lucky enough to be on a coaching staff in Major League Baseball working for the manager and the analytics staff the way it's set up. If you're on an NBA staff working for the head coach and have certain responsibilities, you should appreciate the fact that that's what you have. And understand that you're amongst a group of people that are a dime a dozen. That you can be replaced for any reason by anybody else. Because it's the decision of the organization that's employing you who they think gives you the best opportunity as a team to win and compete. So coaching staffs in professional sports are going to be intertwined and switched and moved around. And it's a series of, of and you know, I always think of that box of wires that you have in a big box that you think at some point in your life you're going to need to use one of those wires. And it's like pulling those wires out saying, hey, I'm going to use this one today. I'm going to use that one today. Or if you're in a junkyard and you're collecting all different types of car parts and you decide that, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with this part of the engine today. I'm going to see if I can get it to work. That's what it's like assembling a coaching staff. You know, what you see on paper doesn't always turn out that way. It's not as easy as hiring the guys that you think can do the certain things that they do because in some cases they don't. And in other cases, you find that you may have a better fit some, with somebody else. And coaches throughout, especially all sports, NBA, NFL, MLB, got, you know, are, are, in, are in spots where obviously they're the ones that are you know, in, in demand up to a certain point, but the advantage goes to the teams. So this coach decides that he wants to sue an organization. And I'm telling you, it's, a, it's just a sign of the weakness of the people of this country because you feel like you can go out there and you can file a lawsuit for anything. And this guy is wrong, and I hope that the lawsuit that he is filing doesn't make it up to the court where a judge can make a decision on it because if for somehow... It's ruled in his favor because he is older. People in sports decide that they move on to younger players, younger coaches, and in some cases, younger owners. So if that's all okay, then it shouldn't be an issue that the Cavaliers decided, even if it was laid out in front of them, I'm letting you go because you are older and we're looking to get younger. It happens in all forms of work. It's not age discrimination. And if you believe it's age discrimination, unfortunately, you are part of the problem. But moving on, I do want to get into a couple things in regards to NFL picks. I'm going to save the music because I'm so disgusted about the way you know, these picks go. And I tell you, I give credit to Las Vegas and the Lions because they've been pretty much spot on. I've been cost a lot of games this year by just a point or two because the spread... You know, and the betting lines, the amount of people betting on each side, which determines what the lines are for each and every individual game, are close enough where it's coming down to a point or two either way. I think I only won one game last week out of my five picks. Just a disastrous record. But as we get ready for week nine, we're going to make it quick. We'll start out with Pittsburgh-Baltimore. I really do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the rise. 
I think it's finally come to a point where the discussion is not going to be about Le'Veon Bell anymore. It's about Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and James Conner and the Steelers defense, which is playing a little bit better, and that division, which at some point looked like it could have been Baltimore's. It could have been Cincinnati's. Even could have been Cleveland's at some point this year. The Steelers are kind of in the driver's seat. And I think they have a big opportunity this week going to Baltimore. I understand Baltimore has got a very good defense. They've been a very up-and-down team. And I wouldn't be surprised if you got a good performance for the Baltimore Ravens at home this week. But I'm leaning on the momentum. And maybe that's been one of the things that hasn't worked for me this year. I believe that the Steelers are on their way back up. I think they're going to be a good representation amongst the teams in the AFC. And you look at the AFC, we talked about all the firepower that existed in this conference. And there's been a lot of disappointment. So I think it's a great opportunity for a team like Pittsburgh that some people may have been sleeping on, especially with Le'Veon Bell not playing. Now they've had a couple good weeks in a row. They really look like they're starting to come together as a team. Give me Pittsburgh plus two and a, five, two and a half at Baltimore. Game number two. Um, another team I've been sleeping on this year, and you're watching as they go in week in and week out or sitting there in first place in the NFC East Division, and that's the Washington Redskins. They're at home this week against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons need this game. They do. They want to get back into the mix when it comes to being playoff bound. They're on the road in Washington coming off a bye. Washington has found a way because of their defense and because of their offense, which is going out there and almost playing good defensive football as an offensive team with, led by their quarterback, they're, they're doing a good job of not putting themselves in a position to lose. And I think if Washington could come away with a victory this week, it'll put them in a the driver's seat when it comes to the NFC East. And who saw that coming? I, I heard perspectives from all over the country of reasons why the Eagles should repeat as NFC East champions. I heard discussions about the Cowboys, discussions about the Giants. Nobody, and I mean nobody, unless you're a Washington Redskins fan and a homer, were betting on the Washington Redskins to win this division this year. I'll tell you this, they beat Atlanta this week. They're going to be in a great position to be able to do it. It's going to be up to them. It's going to be their division to lose. So give me Washington minus two at home against Atlanta. Big game for them. Certainly a big game for Atlanta as well. Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Seattle. And while I've been down a little bit on Seattle, I'll give them this credit. This is a team that has been up and down. And when they've been up, when they've been playing good football, uh, they look like glimpses. You see glimpses of what you may see or may have seen years ago when this team was dominant. Now, I don't think they can get back to that high level. I don't think they're competing with the likes of the Los Angeles Rams or the New Orleans Saints or many of the really good teams in the NFC. But I think this is a team that when they're playing their best, I think they, they have a chance to look very good. They got a home game this week against the Los Angeles Chargers. Phillip Rivers has very quietly had a very good, a very good season for the Chargers. And this is a team that had some high expectations and uh, you know the sleeper police went out there. And they were loving the Chargers. They were saying this is the year that the Chargers were going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm getting to a point where I'm starting to believe that's not going to happen. It looks like that's clearly Kansas City's division out in the AFC West. And if things go well for the Los Angeles Chargers, I think they could be around a 500 team. On the road, in Seattle, give me the 12th man. 
I'm going Seattle plus one at home against Los Angeles Chargers. Next two games, I'm going to stay away from one of the big games, but I'm going to choose the other big game. And the big game I'm staying away from is Green Bay, New England, because I think Green Bay coming off of a very emotionally charged game, a game that really could have gone either way, a game that probably would have been won by the Green Bay Packers if Ty Montgomery had not taken a ball out of the end zone and fumbled it. And you could tell how big of a play that was because the next day, the Green Bay Packers couldn't wait to get rid of him. They couldn't wait to trade him. He's playing for the Baltimore Ravens, probably a second or third string running back. He'd be lucky if he gets in a game at all this week. But, you know, I'm staying away from that game. I'm going to make a selection here when it comes to the Los Angeles Rams playing at New Orleans against the Saints. And I think the Rams, if they knew what was good for them, and I'm not suggesting that any team loses a game on purpose, but for a team that has an interest in winning the Super Bowl, and having this year be about not making the postseason, not making a run in the postseason, but being the elite team in the NFC and representing that conference in the Super Bowl and winning it. That's what they want to do. They're not sitting here trying to get the most they can out of this team. It would behoove them to at some point lose a game. And they're playing at New Orleans against a team that certainly is going to be competing with them. And if you're going to play the odds, I'd say you're looking at an NFC Championship game, the money would probably swing into the middle and would favor the Rams playing the Saints. This game does have home field implications. Whoever wins this will probably have home field or have a chance if there is a tie, if they both finish with the same record once the season is over, they'll have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I'm not saying I'm not dismissing this game for the Rams. I'm not saying that it's not important. For the Los Angeles Rams. But the further you go into the season undefeated, and the Rams are 8-0 right now, the more pressure it becomes to try to continue to be undefeated. And once you lose that game, once the 1985 Bears lost their one game, they're able to focus on the goal at hand, which was to win the whole freaking thing, which wasn't to finish undefeated. You know, I'm, I'm tired of seeing the you know the Don Shulas and the remnants of the 1972 Miami Dolphins coming out saying, hey, we're undefeated, you know, this is, you know, I'm so tired of seeing that crap. I'd like to see the Rams lose a game so they can focus on the most important thing, and that's going out there winning a Super Bowl. New Orleans at home, only, you know, only given two points, and the Rams are favorited, which I understand. I think it, it pretty much is a pick em game. And I can see the Saints at home getting a little bit of an advantage coming out ahead Giving the Rams their one loss for the season, so that's what I'm going to go with. Give me New Orleans plus two at home against the Los Angeles Rams. Finally, we're going to pick the Monday night game, and that's the Tennessee Titans plus five against the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is another pick'em game. You know, Dallas could have the advantage at home. They are a very Jekyll and Hyde team. Their defense has certainly played very well this year. Probably the most underrated defense in the entire National Football League. You're watching the Titans as they got off to a good start. They were 3-1. and one. Now they're sitting there. Four-game losing streak at 3-5. and five. The one thing that I will give to them that I'm not giving to the Atlanta Falcons, and maybe I got it immersed. Maybe the Falcons have a little more energy coming off their bye. I think the Tennessee Titans found the perfect time to have their week bye. They didn't play last week. I think they're going to come into this game a little more refreshed. I think they're going to come into this game feeling like, hey, it's almost a home game to us. 
not necessarily. You know Dallas Faithful is going to be very, very passionate and very behind their organization and their team like they always are. The national fans which travel wherever to see Dallas Cowboy games on the road, they're obviously going to support the team at home. But I can see the Titans with that Houston regiment of fans kind of, kind of you know, coming back to the place where football existed for many, many years with this franchise. I like the fact that they're getting five. I don't see Dallas blowing anybody out. So if the Cowboys win by three, I still feel like I'm making a sound bet here. So give me Tennessee plus five at Dallas real quick. Recap, Pittsburgh plus two and a half at Baltimore. Washington minus two at home against Atlanta. Seattle plus one at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. New Orleans plus two at home against the Los Angeles Rams. And the Tennessee Titans plus five at Dallas. Four dogs and a favorite. Three home teams and two road teams. So last thing I want to get into, and before that, we'll throw this disclaimer out there. A reminder that Castrol Motor Oil provides maximum protection against viscosity and thermal breakdown. So... Free agency is going to start in Major League Baseball. In all honesty, it's an exciting time, but the last couple of years you've seen it. It's been a very grueling process. You know, weeks upon weeks go by, and sometimes there's some things that happen here and there. Sometimes there's a lot of action. In other in other cases, days go by, and you're like wondering, wondering what the hell is going on. You know, free agency dragged last year. Probably last year was probably one of the worst years that, that you've seen in regards to movement of players because there's been players that turned down qualifying offers. There were players that were certainly expected to get multi-year deals and all of a sudden the year turned to 2018 and they weren't signed. Next thing you know, pitchers and catchers are reporting to spring training. Spring training games are about to be played and very high-profile players were still not signed at this point of the offseason. You want to talk about collusion? Well, I don't know if there's necessarily proof that there is collusion going on, but if you look at the facts of what we're seeing right now, what we've seen not just last year, but over the last couple seasons, it looks like the owners and the general managers and the analytic staffs of certain teams have all gotten together and said, hey, we all have the same motivation. We all have the same type of player that we're looking for and free agents as they exist right now for the majority and the most part do not necessarily have those qualities. So they're in their own way admitting that there is some sort of collusion going on because they're admitting that they're they're all looking for certain players and you know letting their numbers kind of do the dictating for them. When you let the numbers dictate what's going on, it's going to tell you from a budget standpoint, you want to look for a player that's not going to be asking for a whole lot of money. And it kind of goes back to the issues that they had in baseball in the 1970s. Once free agency started, you obviously saw the rich getting richer. And the teams that didn't necessarily have the resources to be able to bring in high-ticket items, big-profile free agents, were, were left kind of in the dust. You saw dominant teams kind of rise to the top because of their ability to spend. The teams that weren't able to spend were kind of wondering why all of a sudden we lost our opportunity to compete in a game that seemed like it was fair up to this point. But now obviously the generation of numbers and analytics, and you look at what happened last year with the Oakland Athletics, 
You look at what happened last year with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, sorry, Benz. I do not speak French. I know a couple words. I actually took French class in, I think it was 8th, ninth, and 10th grade. And I have a little bit of a retention, but not enough to actually speak it. So I, I apologize, Benz. Thanks for tuning in and contributing to the show. Talking about free agents in Major League Baseball, obviously it's going to be a situation where you see teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Yankees, teams like even the San Francisco Giants and the Washington Nationals and the Boston Red Sox in positions where they can spend a lot of money. And there's money coming off the books. If you look at the Nationals, they're not expected to bring back Bryce Harper. You see high-profile free agents that belong to certain teams, so there's money that's going to be dismissed. You know the Yankees are going to spend. You know the Dodgers are going to spend. I, I think it's going to be fun to talk about the top 50 free agents in Major League Baseball. And in all honesty, I don't want to talk about all 50 of them today because I think there's going to be a lot of you know, things going through, not only my heads, but certainly the heads of the players that are free agents, the heads of the agents that are representing said players, the heads of the heads of the organizations, the general managers, the owners, the analytic staffs of each individual team as they're at this point trying to digest what it is that could be had in free agency, but also stressing what's important to those individual organizations and what type of player fits that certain culture that you're looking to create. you got younger teams in Major League Baseball, which I think are going to be taking steps to try to get a little bit better. I'm going to throw out a couple random teams that I do want people to start thinking about, especially when it comes into the movement of free agency. Because you watch the Houston Astros years ago, all of a sudden kind of jump into the race and decide that it was time to add and invest in some older players, some veteran players to add to the young core of players that you had going up. The Dodgers uh, were obviously going from a veteran heavy team to a young heavy team, but also a team that was also incorporating veteran players to try to help them get through each individual season. The Phillies are in that spot right now. I think they could be very aggressive this offseason. The Chicago White Sox, team that's sitting on a lot of good young players, uh, may be in a position to be a little more aggressive when it comes into the free agent market. So that statement that I made earlier where free agency could very well benefit the teams with the deeper pockets, the teams that are looking at money and not really saying that it's that important to stay within a certain budget. The importance to them is more about creating the best culture and the best group of players to go out there and win a World Series championship. Yes, the rich, I believe, are going to get richer, but at the same time, I wouldn't rule out even teams like Miami. Now, I'm not going to say the Miami Marlins are going to be in on Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, but I, I do believe that the Marlins are not going to be dismissed when it comes to free agency. I could see them adding themselves a reliever or two for the back of their bullpen. They traded Kyle Baraclaw to the Washington Nationals. They're in a spot where I'm sure they're going to need somebody. A veteran type of presence at some point may not necessarily be somebody that is making a ridiculous amount of money, but maybe a name that you would expect to see pitching for a contender will be pitching in ninth inning and closing games for the Miami Marlins. So give me, I think it's 11 free agents that I'm going to talk about today. And we'll make it real quick. Obviously, we'll, we'll tune out in a couple minutes. Picks for uh, this week in the NFL will be up on JohnPielli.com. Once again, terrible job by... 
the Cleveland Cavaliers assistant coach who's deciding to sue the the ownership and the general manager. Listen, you lost your job. You had a job that was pretty much at will. An at will job means you could be fired or let go at any time with no need to have any warning about it. Now, is there some sort of severance package that's agreed upon in some cases? If it is, then you're entitled to something. If you're signed to a contract and the contract goes through another year and you're fired with a year remaining on it, you're entitled to that money. But under no circumstances will you be entitled to any additional money. And uh, Muhammad says, if you base your life around the meaning of entertainment that raises hate speech between groups, then your life is meaningless. And I couldn't agree with that anymore. I mean, it's a solid statement. Well put. I gave you credit. Now, there isn't going to be, you know, and, and, and if you look at entertainment, I really do believe there's a way that you can talk about issues as they come around in sports and not raise any sort of hate between groups. And obviously, we talk about the matter of opinion as it exists out there. And one of the things I've stated on this show, and I'll, I'll talk about a minute or so on this, Muhammad, thanks for the contribution, that there is, there, there is a difference between opinion and fact. And we look at the news media, the news media all types of it, not necessarily centric amongst any sort of things that they're representing. News media, the news media as it exists today, wants to report more things that are out there and cannot necessarily be proven as they did before. In other words, when you're looking at something that is yes or no, we look at the, the you know, something like a car that's right in front of us. That car is there. There's no dispute that that car, as it's sitting right in front of me, and I'm looking at it right now, can be proven that that car is there. If I'm reporting that that car is there right in front of me, it's a fact. It's not an opinion. And we take the news as it's being reported out there, we branch it out, and we always want to get somebody's opinion on the latest of what we see, the latest of what's being reported. You send reporters out on all different, you know, from all different avenues. You got a major storm, you want somebody that is there feeling the wind and the brunt of the, the cold temperatures and the precipitation and seeing it and giving you that visual. Now, those are, that's all facts. But when you have somebody talking about it, wow, you know what, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like, you know, things are looking too well in that region when it comes to the weather. And then somebody else that's looking at it from a distance says, hey, it, you know what, it, it kind of looks like that storm wasn't as bad as we thought, and then all of a sudden there's an engagement, a discussion that goes between the two people. So I, I think the news media has a role in making sure that you know hate doesn't exist between groups when they're setting their stories totally based on one side. And what needs to happen is there needs to be more objectivity putting out there, more facts being reported, and not facts in a matter of opinion. You know, this is not a fact because I believe it, but the other person says, I don't believe it's a fact, so it's not an opinion. There has to be more reporting when it comes to things that are cut and dry. And the best example I can make is a physical object that, I'm, that you're looking at, and there is absolute proof that that object is there. That's not disputable. 
you can't talk about an opinion of whether something is there or not. It either is there or it's not. So, last part of the discussion, we'll finish up MLB free agents. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that you could talk about the Philadelphia Phillies as being a very aggressive team when it comes in to this offseason. They're going to have the money to spend. They've been proven in the past, especially at times that they're winning, that they're willing to invest the money in regards to the payroll to get that next big player, that next generational type of player that can turn around a franchise. And I would certainly expect the Phillies to be in it on Bryce Harper. I would certainly expect the Phillies to be in it on Manny Machado. Now, Manny Machado is coming off of a rough postseason, a postseason that he wasn't expected to be playing. Playing for the Baltimore Orioles, a team that went to you-know-what really quick. Their season became a waste right off the bat. That team was not going anywhere. Manny Machado was not expected to play in the postseason. Now, all of a sudden, he gets traded to the Dodgers. Dodgers make a little bit of run at the end of the season, and there wasn't even a foregone conclusion that they were going to the postseason. Dodgers get to the World Series. Manny Machado in the spotlight, first of all, doesn't perform very well. Comes up with a couple hits here and there, hits a home run here and there, but is not carrying that Dodgers team. He's not running balls out. He's asked after the game, says, hey, I don't hustle. It's not part of my forte. Then he's involved in a play at first base where it looks like he purposely steps on the foot or the ankle of Brewers first baseman Jesus Aguiar. None of this. These three things that happened with Manny Machado, not very good play during the postseason, not hustling, uh, looks like he's attempting to injure another player in a very uh, Bush League type of way, that's not going to help his cause in free agency. It doesn't matter that he's 26 years old because he's looking for that next ridiculous contract, that 13, that 12, that 14-year contract, where he could potentially be paid up to about $400 million. When it comes to that much money, character matters, image matters. And I think you can look at some teams that were very much turned off, including the one that he was playing for, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Many other teams are probably looking at his actions during the playoffs last year and deciding that it's probably not a good idea to invest the type of money that Manny Machado is gonna be looking for. So in order to put the perfect fit for a guy like Machado, you have to have a team that is looking for that type of player. Pretty similar to Alex Rodriguez. Now, I think you'd talk about Manny Machado and Alex Rodriguez and say, hey, there's a little bit of differences in regards to the kind of ball players they are. Alex Rodriguez, at that time when he became a free agent, was certainly a much more accomplished player, an MVP, certainly one of the best players in the entire sport. Manny Machado is probably a cut below that at this point. So, what appealed the most to Alex Rodriguez. It wasn't remaining in Seattle. It was going to be tough for Seattle to be able to pay for him. Pretty similar to Baltimore. Baltimore was not willing to pay the money that Manny Machado was, was looking for. That's hence the reason he was traded. So you're looking at a team that's on the up and up. A team that's expecting to make that transition this year and be a legitimate postseason and potential World Series candidate this year. And a team kind of stands out with not only that, but the ability to spend and give the guy the contract he's looking for. And that's why it makes the most sense to see Manny Machado head to the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, the Phillies have proven before that they're going to spend money. Um, certainly, this is a rebuild that's taken a couple of years. They've incorporated a lot of their own young players. Uh, they made a run last year, fell a little bit short. 
perhaps the Phillies, if they had traded for Manny Machado, maybe he gets them into the postseason. So I think they look back at that and realize, number one, they didn't have to spend any prospects on them, and they could still end up getting the player anyway. So that, that would be, and I'm not going to say it's a sure thing, but Manny Machado to the Phillies makes a lot of sense. Another free agent that is going to potentially come off the market pretty soon because I think there's a need that's put there. You have another team that was expected to make a run to the World Series. Their season ended a little quicker than expected in a heartfelt series against the Boston Red Sox. Certainly a series that after the second game seemed like went in a New York Yankees' favor and direction. Now, you look at the... Yankees and their need for a good, solid starting pitcher. And think about it. What held the Yankees back in that Boston Red Sox series? You had a series of momentum built in the Yankees' direction. And what was the difference between the Red Sox and the Yankees and the ALDS last year was the length that the Boston Red Sox were getting out of their starting pitchers. And the Yankees have to look at this not about Harper, not about Machado, not about what is the biggest goal should be for them to make their team better. They don't need more offense. They need a starter that they can depend on to go six, seven innings each time. Luis Severino had that at some point. Jay Happ was valuable enough to be able to be trusted in some big spots. But when the Yankees are leaning on the likes of a CC Sabathia in a, in a winner in a winning scenario where you either need to win the game or your season's over, then it doesn't favor you that much. And that's why I think Patrick Corbin will end up with the New York Yankees. I'm going to quote Muhammad real quick. Uh, he is a driver for fans to follow news about their favorite teams and attend matches. I, I agree with that up to a certain point. I do think there are different types of fans out there. And, you know, if you think of rivalries as they apply to all of sports. And once again, you know, Muhammad Almtab, A-L-M-T-A-B, thank you for your contribution to the program today. You know, you look at fans and rivalries as they exist in certain sports. And there's that thought that if you're a Yankee fan, you hate the Red Sox. If you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you hate the Cowboys. You hate the Giants. I think that is a different type of hate. But sometimes if you see the actions of certain things that have happened in sports stadiums and environments, not just as it applies to baseball and football and basketball, but you've seen it in world soccer where there's a passion for a support of a certain team that ends up becoming more personal than it has to be. That being said, there are many fans out there that understand the fact that they're just simply rooting for a favorite sports team. And I think as it applies to the world of politics, and I've told you the last thing I'm ever going to discuss is, is politics on this show or in any general conversation I have in my life because I really do believe politics in this country is the root of all evil. People root for their favorite political party like it is their favorite sports team. So right upon the statement that you made there, Mohammed, you know, political you know, discussions and the hatred that you see between people that root for certain political parties like they do as their favorite sports team is one of the things that is driving up hate. And sometimes it does apply to the world of sports. And sometimes 
it, it is very important that we're conscious of what happens when we're interacting with fans that the only difference between them, they could look the exact same way, they could act the exact same way. They, they, they could, if things were all balanced and he didn't know what sports team that fan happened to be rooting for, you might be good friends with them. You might have a lot in common. But the thing that is dividing you is the difference in opinion in regards to sports teams to root for. And, that, and that's why I do believe there is hate that's involved when it comes to sports fans. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's something that you know we would like to try to be able to get through. I think when it comes down to issues when, when there's you know prejudice and different things that are going out there, there are people being judged based off of the way they look like, based off of differences in religion and sexual orientation and sex and stuff like that, you know, I think those problems are a little bit more, um, more to the forefront as far as things that we have to address than when it comes to the simple hate that's involved amongst sports fans. But I will admit this, I don't think it's any good. You know, I could go to a game and I should be able to go to a game wearing any jersey that I want and not have to be harassed because I just happen to be rooting for a different team than somebody else. I do believe that alcohol that's involved at sporting events is not necessarily helping. Am I going to say ban the serving of alcohol at sports events? Of course not, because I don't think there's any way that would happen. But the fact that you get people that have all of a sudden different types of confidence that are enhanced by the consumption of alcohol, that certainly isn't helping things either. So I do think that, you know, stadiums and sport leagues need to get to the forefront in regards to wanting to be on top of the control of the people that are in the stadium. And not just the fans that are coming in supporting the home team, but fans should be able to watch a game if they want of their favorite team that happens to be the road team. I'm a traveling fan. I go to different types of sporting events and ball games all the time. I don't always go to the home game. And I feel for the most part that I am respected. I don't go there with an agenda. I don't go there, you know, wanting to scream and fight up against 20, 30,000 people that all happen to be rooting for the same team when I'm not. Sometimes you have to come in there with a little bit of smarts, a little bit of logic. You see the Oakland Athletics fan that had the beer thrown on him at the Yankees Athletics wildcard game, that's a New Yorker who happens to be a transplant from Oakland. He happens to be an Oakland Athletics fan. He should have the right to be an Oakland Athletics fan and show up at a stadium of a visiting team without the harassment. He doesn't have to be put in a corner. He doesn't have to be segregated. And, and you know what? He should have the right to root for his team, especially if his intentions are just to root for his team and not fight against the resistance of the other fans that are in that ballpark. So I do believe that hate, as it exists in professional sports, when it comes to just the difference, the only difference between me and you, we may look the exact same, the only difference we have is that we happen to root for a different sports team. And those two teams are playing in a, in a venue, and an event, that we're both watching. That's the only difference we have. You know, for people to take that too far, you are part of the problem. Listen, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We'll be back with you on Monday. Hope everybody has a nice weekend. I tell you, you got some really good college football games today. You know, West Virginia and Texas. You got, of course, the big matchup between LSU 
in Alabama. I just talked about the couple really big games in the National Football League. You got the New England Green Bay game, the New Orleans Rams game. So hope everybody has a nice weekend. Obviously, start a free agency in Major League Baseball. You got the NBA, you got the NHL. Catch you back on Monday. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.